Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to All Starts Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Adam Elliott, back again, and I'm joined today by Martin Riley, also back again. Martin, how are you, mate? I'm doing very good, thank you, Adam. I've just finished eating the McDonald's before we came on, and so I'm in a good mood. Um, Didn't just have McDonald's, also shared some of the um, chilli cheese bites that they have. So I had burger as well as that because I am a burger. <laughs> How are you? Fantastic. I'm I'm also well. I had some decent food tonight. I had fajitas. Always hits the spot. I make mine quite spicy as well. Probably spicier than your average person. And they're pretty good. Um, I enjoyed them. Um, I also said back again because this is a hat trick of me and you being on a pod alone together no one else is turning up they've all uh they've all got the dates mixed up and they think it's the christmas period now so they're all you know busy doing their christmas shopping and whatnot so that's why they can't be here and um, i actually have no idea why everyone's not here but here we are um yeah um just on the news front there is actually quite a bit this this time um more than usual uh I don't know much about this deal. I haven't read too much into it. I just saw it before I came on, really. Um, I saw that the 49ers have sold a minority sort of share in the club to a company called Ackley Partners. Again, don't know anything about it, but if anyone's listening that hasn't heard that news, go ahead and have a little look yourselves. And then the only other two bits of news are kind of team news, which is that Gray has come back early from international duty. He was with the under twenty with the under twenties team, the England team. Um and he's come back early. He was meant to play against Germany tomorrow as time of recording and is now not. And then the other one was Joe Donahue updated us on uh Nonto and he believes that the injury is not meant to be serious. He's meant to be he he pulled up against San Marino in an under twenty ones game um with a hamstring injury, but it seems like it was pretty minor and he's gonna be still with Italy's team for tomorrow's game. And then he should be in contention against Rotherham this weekend. Do you have anything to say on any of that? Not a particularly great deal. It's good that um Ray is is come back early for international duty because he is Pretty key at the moment until we've got Jed Spence back. Um, there's our other options at right back. Was if something was to happen to him at the moment, maybe a little bit thin. Um, we know that Spence is probably in training now, so that's good. 
and hopefully he'll be ready soon, but we probably won't be ready for this game coming up, I don't think. And the bit about the shares being sold. Eh, I'm not, I don't have anything to say about that, really. Yeah, it's probably one of those things that happens quite a lot, where it's just like a, a couple of percentage here or there that gets sold. And I think a lot of clubs probably do this sort of thing, and we don't even always hear about it. Um, so, yeah, nothing major there. Um, but yes, we're here today, of course, to talk about Rotherham United, who we play on Friday at the New York Stadium. Um, but before we start, it is important to note that after their last game, they sacked their manager, Matt Taylor, leaving them without a manager throughout this international break. And at the time of recording, they have yet to appoint a successor, which means the likes of Scott Brown, no, not him, um, Wayne Carlisle, and Dan Green are left to be in caretaker charge for the game on Friday, as things stand. Um, but yeah, we will discuss. We do not have a fan today. Sorry for everyone that was hoping we would. Uh, we still do that often, but today it's just me and Martin talking about Rotherham. So, Martin, can you tell me anything about the recent results and form of this side who are currently third bottom of the championship? So, yeah, they've had... A pretty bad season, all things told, to be honest. Um, they've had a lot of losses and a lot of draws and not very many wins. Um, they've had picked up two wins this season. One was against Coventry. That was in the middle of October, so that's their most recent win. And before that was the beginning of September against Norwich. So yeah, they've not picked up many wins and not many points. And their recent results other than that win against Coventry, they've got two losses, one against Sheffield Wednesday and... Uh, Hammering by Watford 5-0, which was their most recent game. And sandwiched in between those two is a, a draw against QPR and a draw against Ipswich, which helped us out. So yeah, we'll give them their, their thanks for that. But it's, yeah, it's not great reading. I will say something I did notice about their form is that they are generally stronger at home than what they are away by a quite significant margin. Um, away, they have only accrued one point, I believe. One draw and that's it. <laughs> so the, all the rest of their draws and wins have come at the New York Stadium, and that is where this game. Which means, yeah, game's going to yeah, be. That it, it means they've lost just two home games, actually. Which yes, not too bad when you consider that with four draws, two wins at home in their eight games. Um, uh, so definitely a sturdier team. But I'm glad they did a favour against Ipswich. Um, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a funny one when you lose 5-0 in your last game. But then Watford are a really weird team this season themselves, so not altogether surprising. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how they set up in possession? They have actually flitted between two different formations this season, but how have you seen it in their recent games? Well, yeah, they've mainly played a 4-3-3 for most of the time of this season, but they have also used a 3-5-2 in some games, and also in the most recent game against Watford, they had a 3-5-2 shaping play. In regards to what they do with the ball, um, they are a pretty direct team overall. Uh, they have the highest percentage of passes played long in the division. 24.8% um, of their passes are played long, which is the highest so yeah, they are a pretty direct side who don't mess around with build-up play, just get it forward quickly and directly. Um, when I have when I watch them play, um, it's not like really long balls up to a target man. It's more fast and direct balls to wingers into space that they try to get when they do manage to get attacked because they don't create a lot of goals at all. Uh, they have the lowest XG in the league with 7.08 XG. 
and they've overperformed on that. So that's something for them, I suppose. <laughs> they've scored they've scored nine nine goals from that. Yep. Um and I totally agree. They are probably definitely more direct down the channels. Um they've basically got, yeah, Green and Onya Dinma have decent speed, decent one V one ability, so it makes sense to get them in isolated areas when possible. Which could be a bit of a concern for us with our fullbacks not having too much pace, but we'll probably talk about that a bit later. Um, yeah, uh, they they have quite a lot of what I would say like workmanlike players in in midfield, so um, and in, on the wings as well. So a lot of energy, um, which yeah, again we'll talk about individuals in a little bit. But how else do they set up in terms of in and out of possession? So that's other things. Sort of in possession, they do put a lot of play that down flanks, like you've already covered there. Um, their wing backs do like to get high, especially the right back, um, who I quite enjoyed. Uh, Lem Kisa, he's quite a decent right back, also considered for their squad, so he's a threat to them. And they look to try to get into play, into play between the wingers when they get further up and get balls into the box. Um, usually lowish balls, like I mentioned before, they don't really have a target man. So we will be looking to get those sort of balls in. And their main striker isn't the most clinical, um, but he is someone who may fear some, fill some Leeds fans with a little bit of fear considering his history was. That's uh, Jordan Hugel. Um, so yeah, <laughs> fair bit of Leeds history of him. So he'll be up for it. And um, regards to out of possession, um, they're actually a pressier team than what I was expecting, especially at home. Um, I was expecting to, to them to be pretty low block side. Um, given their position in the league, but that's not the case. They are pretty, I won't say high press, but it's like an aggressive mid-block, which they have, especially when they're at home, which is one of the games that I watched. I watched the game against Norwich, because that was the only game I could find footage for, and they, they were causing Norwich some problems. And I, I think one of their goals in the Ipswich game as well came from them winning the ball around the halfway line. Uh, they sort of latched onto a long ball, which was spread across that the Ipswich Back, I believe it was Davis, um, sort of didn't really handle the long ball well and it got nicked off him by Onyedema. So yeah, they, they are pretty, pretty dangerous at winning the ball back in these sort of areas, although they don't create too much from it often. It's something that we need to watch out for. for. But yeah, that's about all I could say. Yeah, uh, I do think that the pressing is dependent on a few things. So you've mentioned one of the factors there being home or away. I certainly think they're a bit more aggressive at home. Um, I think it also depends on game state. I think I noticed in the game I watched against Ipswich that they were definitely more... Well, they were when they were chasing the game, when it was 2-1, for example, definitely higher up the pitch. Um, and also when they scored their goal, their first goal, they were definitely playing a little bit higher up the pitch, but they kept getting deeper and deeper when they had a lead. And even when it was level, they were pretty happy to be a little bit deeper, so more of a low block. But yeah, generally speaking, against a lot of the teams in sort of mid-table, probably more of a mid-block team. Um, so that's why I'm a little bit interested to see what they do here, because even though they've been more mid-blocky at home, it, it's not also been... A factor when they've played weaker opposition, when they're going to be playing against Leeds, it might be a very different story. They could definitely sit in a mid block, uh, a low block. Sorry, um, also wouldn't be altogether surprised if they do play another back three again. But like we say, they haven't done that loads this season. It's mostly been four three three. If you look at a lot of the midfielders, like I said, quite workmanlike, 
got decent stamina, or like quite a few of them. Uh, Rathbone's probably the most aggressive presser of the three of them. Uh, he's probably also the most likely when they have the ball to run beyond a little bit and sort of join whichever strikers starting an attack up front, which generally, like you say, has been John Hugel. And I've got an abiding memory of Hugel, which was when Leeds played Preston in a game at Ellen Road, which I think finished. 1-0 to Leeds. I think Jordan Pickford was in goal for Preston actually on loan. And um, Hugo, I remember I was with one of my mates that day and Hugo had a great game up front for them. Like just constant nuisance running the channels, putting himself about elbows, digging into people. He's pretty good at that. Although he is now in his 30s and has probably declined a little bit. So there is that. They also have another player called Sam Nombe who's a, a bit of a handful, decent young striker that seems to be improving by the game that um, Matt Taylor brought in from Exeter. But it's really, really difficult with this game, isn't it? Because they haven't got him as manager. So it's not altogether clear what this coaching team are going to set them up like. Um, I, yeah, I think they'll probably still mostly stick to what they've done. Um, don't see a reason why they wouldn't too much. I think it might be a 4-3-3 that, that plays in kind of a low mid block, most likely. Um, but yeah, shall we move on a little bit? We already started talking about them, but to some of their players, both good and bad, and who we should be looking out for. Um, I'll just go first on a couple quickly. Their best player by quite a distance is their goalkeeper, Victor Johansson, someone who we did watch a little bit of, both of us, uh, over the summer because he was linked with Leeds, and he is one of the better just general shot stoppers in, in the Championship. He still is this season, he was last season, and let's put it this way, they would be in a lot more bother if they didn't have him. They'd be a League One team last this season if they hadn't had him last season and he's kept them in a lot of games this season again he's kind of carried on from where he left off um, and then a few others I've mentioned Ralph Bones pretty decent energy um, T.A. he Christ T.A. he is his name um, he is a midfielder that and certainly in the early games was impressing from what I was reading earlier um, don't know as much recently but in the early games he was a new signing that, that impressed and, and looked like he'd studied things in midfield a little bit and then Hugo and Nombe I, like, I kind of like both of them for different reasons but they're both pretty much a handful up front um, but yeah I'll let you discuss a few because I'm sure you have a few that you have in mind as well yeah uh, well I've already mentioned one which I like the right back Lundakita is definitely one that we will need to watch out from especially with, with the overlapping and the lead space down the flanks then it, that could be something which he looked look to get into and the left back, you know, side didn't really do going forward. But yeah, Lemakita really impressed me. He's scored a really good goal in the game which I watched. Really, really good strike. I'd recommend watching it against Norwich. It's really just caught it nicely and it's sort of curved into the top corner. So he's one to watch out for me. He doesn't often do that, but it's something that he is capable of, though it's something to be aware of. But apart from that, he's a strong ball carrier. He's able to turn quickly from receiving with his back to the player. Um, one knows that a few times against Norwich where he'd, he'd receive the ball and then quickly turn the player behind him and force them to foul him or get past him if, if they didn't manage to foul him. So yeah, he's one to watch out for. And they're probably, if you say the most creative player, I'd probably say Fafu, which is a quite a typical Brazilian <laughs> flair name, but he is. He's um, their top sister and he's got the most shot-creating actions for Rotherham as well. So he's clearly the one who makes things happen. He plays either on, on the wing or in central midfield. They've played a bit all over the place, to be honest. A few of their players have been in different positions uh, throughout this. So, um, Onyedema has played on the right wing and left wing. And you've also got 
number of other players who have moved around a bit. There's even a player who leads fans will remember in the back line. He's not likely to play, but uh, Lee Peltier is part of their back line. Playing as a centre back um, in the in the games that I saw. So yeah, he's one to watch out for if, if he does play. as one who we should be able to get at. Um, he'll probably be quite up, up for the game with his history with Leeds, though. So who knows? But in general, I think a lot of their back line can be got out, especially by our attackers. Um, I'd say one in particular, but if they do decide to press us a little bit higher and leave the base, um, the percent we've got with our pace and our wingers will definitely be able to exploit that. So, yeah, that's just generally their back line. And the midfield, like you mentioned, is pretty work hearty. Nothing too spectacular, just very solid players who will, if they do decide to press, will cause problems for us. But like you mentioned, it's been not going to happen with us being one of the strongest sides in the league. Yeah, one of one of the things I think they have is a lot of experience of uh, championship football, but a lot of the players are kind of like ones on the decline, the likes of Peltier. They've got Daniel Ayala, they've got Morrison. These are centre-backs that have played to a pretty decent standard at championship level in years gone by, but they're now all in their 30s. Definitely an issue with recovery pace, which is why I don't expect them to play such a high line with players like that in the team. I too was impressed with Lembekisa from the bits I've seen, decent young right back. Um, but I think an issue with both fullbacks a little bit less with Lembekisa is that they're not the most press resistant. So I think that that's another area we can exploit. Um, Bramall in particular, really just weak on the ball. So wouldn't mind having a bit of a go at him. Um, and then, yeah, Cafu is such a funny footballer because <laughs> he was a bit of a kind of tough tackling no-nonsense midfielder at Nottingham Forest and then Rotherham have signed him and I remember George Ellick of Not The Top 20 talking about him earlier in the season I I distinctly remember him saying it he's like he's just become this creative midfielder somehow overnight and yeah the stats back it up as you mentioned they kind of bear out what you've been saying Um, so he's moved from a tough tackling midfielder to potentially playing as a winger um, which he might do in this game Um, and I'm just going to have a little stab at maybe predicted lineup with you Um, obviously Johansson will be in goal and the fullback should be Lembekisa and Bramall. Centre-back combinations change quite a bit this season, but probably going to go for experience, I would imagine, with Ayala and Morrison or something like that. Um, the midfield with Tiehi Klukas, who's been around the block a lot in this this division as well, and Rathbone with uh, one of Nombe or Hugh Gill up front, and then Cafu and Onyedim are probably on the wings. I think they'll go with Cafu over Green, who has a lot of pace. Uh, Aston Villa youngster, used to be an Aston Villa youngster. Um, I think they'll go with him because, again, just that out-of-possession approach, probably a bit better defensively and out-of-possession. So I'd expect them to go with him. Um, but there are a couple of question marks, and especially with the, the managers in that they've got now, that could definitely throw a few spanners in the works. We could be completely wrong here, but that's what I'm going with. Do you have any other ideas, or would you say that's probably close to accurate? Yeah, that's quite accurate. Um, I, don't, I can't think of too much which could change with that, but who knows? Um, it's, it's an in manager comes in between now and Saturday, which seems unlikely. Friday, Friday even. Uh, yeah, so if new, new manager comes in before, then they won't really be able to do a, do a whole lot when it comes to changing new things around. But they may decide that they like certain personnel more than others. So that that is the only thing I'd say which could change most likely. It reminds me a little bit of um, when Skubala came in after Marsh and everyone was like, oh yeah, he's made some changes, like very little change, to be honest. It was pretty much the same. I don't expect that they've had enough time. I think a couple of these coaches at least are like residual of Matt Taylor. So they're probably probably just going to do the same stuff. It's just hard to say. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We'll now move on to the lead section of this podcast where we'll talk about how we might approach the game. Um, how do you think that we might set up in possession? Do you expect Anything different, bearing in mind we just played Plymouth at Ellen Road in the last game? Um, I don't think there'll be anything majorly different. Fark's not the sort of person to quickly change the way we would approach a game in possession, and especially against the side who we should be looking to dominate the ball against. So I, th- I think he would probably try to stick to the same routine, keep hold of the ball, attack quickly in transition when we have the moments to do so, and just generally keep things as they have been. Um, I can't think of anything which he would want to change in response to Robin Jones. Yep, I agree. Feels like we co- copy and paste this answer every single time, but it's pretty much the same. Yep, there are not going to be any differences, and I would expect, even with their decent home record, and they probably play a little bit better there, for us to try and dominate and dictate the game and take the game to them, which I don't think is going to change, um, and we probably still have the players to do so. The difference in quality is, is pretty vast. Um I'm setting us up now, aren't I? <laughs> anyway, how do you expect us to approach this game out of possession? Do you think there'll be anything different in that regard? Uh, possible. There's a few changes which could happen out of possession. Um, I'm not expecting us to need to go with the man-to-man approach but like we have been doing recently um, because they're not a, a fan of building up at Rotherham, so I don't think it's something which we will look to need. Um, it'd be more just a mid-block aggressive pressing, I think, is what we'll do. Um, but high press is always likely. Fark likes to mix it up with that. That's the only thing that really changes in his game is the obsession approach and slight tweaks here and there. But yeah, I don't think there be anything major that maybe dropping the man-to-man elements from goal kicks, which we've seen in the past few games. Yeah, because even though I've I have said their defenders aren't all the most press resistant they will just kick it over us beyond us so there's not much point of trying to engage them that high I, I would agree there um, I think it's probably yeah, quite likely more of a mid-block especially because they have a three-man midfield and another central midfield playing out wide as well so they've essentially got four central midfielders that are likely to play in this game um, but yes is there a player that you can see for us having a big impact on the outcome of this game good or bad so either side of the argument you can start um, we will go with the attackers in, just in general, and not one in, in particular. Um, but we will make our work at moments trying to break down a low block. So it'll be up to them to try to break break it down and try to force these moments um, to where we can get beyond that. Uh, those ones will be key. 
and regards to the opposite end of that, whichever side on on Yadima is on, um, will really have a tough task on the hands marking him because he's a tough player to, to mark. He's got a pace behind him, and like if he's playing against Byron, that is something which Byron could be struggling with. I think if he's playing off the left, I think Gray should be able to cope with him. Um, I think Gray's shown that he can handle pacey players in a few games now. Um, so yeah, those, those are the ones I would say. I'm not sure of anyone who you think who have missed out. Nah, the, the obvious ones are going to be if they are sat in a low block at any point and having to break that down. They could have a situation where you've essentially got every player for them behind the ball except maybe the striker as the outlet. Um, and if that's the case, then you, you're going to need guys that can unlock doors. So Crescentio Somerville, Jorginho Ruta, those guys spring to mind straight away. Um, I don't think this is a huge game for Joel Perot. Uh, I think the space in around the box could be really congested. It could be quite difficult if they've got lots of players in front of him and he's trying to get shots off around the edge of the box. I think could, he could have quite a lot of traffic that he has to get through. And I don't think that's going to really suit him at all. So I wouldn't say he's going to be the most crucial in this game. I say this and now he's going to score, isn't he? But you know, it's one of them. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if this is a game for Dan James other than the fact that he might be up against Cohen Bramall and I think he's a I don't think he's a good player at all he's a pretty poor player um, and I think James can have the beating of him even in more settled possession it doesn't even necessarily have to be in transition I think he can spring past him and, and put balls into the box or put balls across the box um, needs to do that if he can uh, Somerville on the other side should be okay even though he's got a, a slightly trickier customer up against him I think that he should be fine um, I think that yeah defensively is where the wingers are going to have to be careful and not get caught out if they do have transitional moments then I do worry I, I genuinely worry for both fullbacks if Onyedema is up against either of them really I think he's really really fast and pretty tricky his end product is sometimes left wanting but like he's he is a, a tough player to deal with if he has space to hit um, so yeah I think the wingers need to help in that regard which is why the player I want to give a bit of a shout out to even though I don't think he'll have too much involvement is Jed Spence I hope that he in some capacity plays in this game even if it's off the bench I think we'll obviously find out more in the next couple of days with regards to like where he's at in terms of fitness but it sounds like he has been training to some level for a few weeks now and then maybe more recently it's been you know stepped up a gear and if that's the case then he's got every chance of being able to impact this game and I for one, really hope that he does, even if it's for half an hour. Um, <laughs> he's only played, like I said, in the last pod, probably about 12 or 13 minutes in total for us, so it would be nice for him to get a little bit more. Um, and, like, he could be pretty beneficial off the bench, let's be honest here. Like, if it's nil-nil or we're or one all or whatever, if we're, we're drawing, if the game state is that we're not in front, he could be pretty important at breaking down a low block. He'd be another player that could help in that regard. He's going to stretch teams. He's going to, he's another thing to think about when we're attacking, you know, so players like him are going to be crucial. Um, and then the other, the last thing I wanted to say is like, um, I am a little bit worried, not in terms of them dominating the ball at all, because they're not going to try to do that, but they've got a three man midfield against, uh, R2, you know, and then Perot. um, I've already said I'm a bit worried about Pro and what he could do to, in and around the box, but I also worry later on in the game, if we're looking a bit leggy, I think that that scenario where we might want to put actually three midfielders out for once, um, just to keep the ball, keep control, um, and really, really maintain our standard and levels, um, because I think that's an area where they'll just overrun us in terms of just pure energy. Like they've got three guys who are just going to cover a lot of ground. In there, so yeah, I would say that we need to be a little bit careful of that. Maybe later in the game, if we're only up by one, then I would I would be a bit worried about Perot out of possession, getting a bit leggy around the seventieth minute onwards. Um, yes, 
do you want to have a stab at the predicted lineup for us? Generally speaking, I don't think it's going to be too unchanged. Yeah, I think it'll be very similar to the last game. Um, Melier in goal, um, Gray at right back, uh, Roden and Hooper most likely because Strauch will probably still be out. Then there'll be Byram at left back, Ampadu and Cameroon in midfield. Then we'll have Somerville, Rutter, Perot and James most likely. I can't see it being any different in attack unless someone's done something during the international break. A few of them are playing it for their international clubs, so who knows that something we hope not but it is a possibility and yeah i think that's about all to say but there's one thing that i just randomly remember which i forgot to mention earlier a really weird little thing which i noticed in the stats for rotherham the fact that, <laughs> yeah the, the fact that the player who attempts the fifth most passes for them is victor johansson their goalkeeper <laughs> 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 Probably because he's having to take a lot of goal kicks. Yeah, well, I'm assuming I don't know, but they not, must concede not, a lot. Well, of this is all open play. This isn't taken into account goal kicks. Oh, right. Well, yeah, <laughs> he's like li- literally the and he, if if we, the ninety he take thirty five. That's his ninety, and their top that's a ninety of ones who play regular is Christ Tehi, and he's on thirty seven. So he's only like two passes per ninety left. And Tehi, <laughs> the only thing I can think of is they use him to get long balls up the pitch that's the only thing i can yeah. think of um because literally if you look at it all in total he's he's actually attempted the most passes for them <laughs> 500 so they recycle the ball passes. back to him yeah that's what i think they, they, yeah they recycle it back to him and they just like boot it long but what but probably going to see a lot of yeah exactly but what's funny is if you look at the the breakdown of those passes for victor johansson of the 568 passes that he's attempted three of them were short <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. He's free. That's not even one um, percent. That's just mad. But yeah, and I don't want to like blame him because it just feels like it has been a stylistic thing. In fact, just quickly on Rotherham because I know we kind of meant to have moved on in this section, but yeah, just quickly on them. Taylor was a manager that when he got promoted with Exeter played actually quite a decent brand of football and it just feels like he's been quite adaptable and like he had to become more of a, a pragmatic long ball type coach with Rotherham which I don't think is necessarily what he's actually wedded to I think he's pretty open-minded when it comes to using the resources that he has at his disposal and I guess that's what he decided with Rotherham was best it probably is best and I think that it probably is best in terms of what they might do next I know that they've been linked um, a little bit recently especially with the bookies to Neil Warnock on our last pod I mentioned that Steve Evans was someone who had um, been linked with a return as well obviously both of them have managed Rotherham at some point in the last 10 years um, so it wouldn't be altogether surprising if one of them does come in uh, in the dugout at some stage in the coming weeks uh, but I don't think it's, it's going to happen before Friday I think it's very unlikely um, but yeah um, it's just, it is interesting I, I wonder what Johansson would be like if he you know, was playing in another setup and, and see if he could actually like play out from the back a little bit more or if it's just yeah. literally because he's being instructed to go long all the time yeah I'd be interested <laughs> in that sense. as well because uh, it's obviously team styles impact goalkeepers so so much um like if you look at the difference in melier's past completion with bielsa then with marsh and then again with saka it just does this like like little down then straight then straight up again <laughs> it's, it's just it's one of those weird things that you've or people don't take into account enough it's team styles and how they affect players but yeah I'd, 100%. I'd, be, I'd be interested to see that but we should really get on with Leeds part yeah yeah so I, I My generally fault. agree My with fault. your no no it's okay actually I, I wanted to make a point that I forgot to say as well so it's fine um, but yeah with the predicted lineup, the only thing to note with what you've said there is the possibility that Byram 
it might not just be a tweak that he had to his little hamstring injury. It could be another week or two. And speaking of that, Phil Hay did put out an article this week explaining some of the issues that Byron has had in particular with hamstrings over the last few years. So it is definitely something we need to be really, really cautious of. Um, I urge anyone that has an athletic subscription to go and read that. Actually, it was a pretty good piece. He talked a lot about yeah, I enjoyed his that. history with Leeds. So it was nice, actually. Um, but yeah, let's hope that that was minor. We'll obviously know more in the next couple of days. But if not, it'll be Furpo almost certainly. I can't see a world where it's anyone else. Even though Shackleton might be back, I think it will probably be Junior Furpo. Um, but that's the only other change. Um, anyway, we'll move on to the next section which is the game preview um i wanted to ask you what do you expect that this game of football will look like it'll be one side catching the ball quite heavily um with the other side trying to attack in moments of transition and then when they attack in transition we will try to attack in transition it's going to be rinse and repeat my prediction yep um them just kind of sitting in a low mid-block pressing us whenever they get the chance to whenever the ball gets even slightly close to their into their third into their around their box um and yeah it, it could be quite frustrating to break them down it's a classic for me i've said this a few times in previews if we score first and early then it could really really open the game up if they're having to chase it if they score could look very much like that Ipswich game which Rotherham played um, and be quite frustrating for us where we struggle to break them down um, which we don't want which is part of the reason why I really hope that Nonto is not injured and is okay because it would be nice to have a player like him on the bench who might be able to unlock a door if we need it later on Um, and then yeah Final question then, Martin, which is what we ask every time on these previews, which is where do you think the game will be won or lost? I'm just going to borrow just what you just said there about the first goal. I think it'll be incredibly important because if we, if we don't score early, then it gives Rotherham more confidence that they can nick this result. So I think we need to get a goal as early as possible. Um, if, and if Rotherham do score early, that'll make it even more difficult for us to break them down because they can retreat even more and just attack us in transition. And whether with these Yorkshire derbies, there's always the unpredictable nature of them. And we all very fondly remember the Wigan results from the BLT years. Um, yeah. So expect anything in this sort of result. And as the famous quote from... Steve Evans said about Bielta and the New York Stadium, which didn't turn, turn out to be anything because I'm pretty certain we dominated Rotherham both in the games where we came to New York Stadium. But yeah, anything can happen in these games. Yeah, there is that unpredictability element, definitely. Um, I I feel like I've got decent memories of Rotherham. I think home and away, we've done pretty well against them and when we have been in the championship, although they've obviously yo-yoed quite a lot, so we haven't always played them. But I always feel like we've we've done all right. And can't remember actually the last time we lost. But it still feels like one of those banana skins where they could be pretty... They're quite physically strong and they could get something from a set piece, for example. Yeah, that's actually another thing I forgot to mention. Their set piece XG is pretty high in comparison to their total XG. And their total XG, like I mentioned before, was 7.08. And they've got 3.57 of set, six piece, no, set piece, Martin. <laughs> set piece XG. <laughs> and not only that, they overperformed from that set piece XG as well, scoring six goals from that 3.57 XG. So, yeah. That really is not a surprise when you yeah. think of some of the guys they have heading the ball. I can think of, like, just off the top of my head, the likes of Hugo, Morrison, 
like I, I can already close my eyes and see Morrison like scoring one from a corner, especially yeah. in front of the sky cameras on Friday night. It, it just feels it. like it's written. <laughs> but did, yeah, um, did Morrison used to play for Millwall as well? I'm, I'm, um, I'm it's not that one. Different Morrison. Plus, a few different. It's Morrisons. the Cardiff one. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. It's the one that used to play for Cardiff. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know who you mean. In fact, he could have played for Rotherham when he was younger, but I don't remember if he did. He definitely played for Cardiff for a long time, and then Rotherham picked him up. Um, but yeah, he's a bit of a handful, and they've got a few like that. So that's that's one area I'm pretty worried about in terms of where the game might be won or lost. I think they're definitely better from set pieces than we are, um, and balls into the box, high balls, and if they're going quite direct, that's that's a concern. But yeah, like you said, to completely echo what you said about um, the transitions and and how this game might look in terms of if we don't score first or if we do, that is definitely one of the things that's going to make this more difficult for us if they score, can sit in and just literally just boot the ball out for on your dinner to chase every time, then that's just going to be annoying and <laughs> frustrating for us. But yeah, let's let's just hope we score early and then it, it might be okay after that if they're having to chase it. But yeah, we'll see. Um, but yes, that brings us towards the end of the podcast. Now, again, I must stress that I have to plug the Patreon because Tom Alderson will give me a right telling off if I don't. Um, so yes, I will do so. We have actually got quite a few things to talk about here. I'll, I'll let you do in a second, Martin, as well. But yeah, over the last few weeks, we put out bonus podcasts on our Patreon. And for those who don't know, Patreon is a platform where people can pay money to support creators that they enjoy and receive bonus content in return. We put out Patreon-only podcasts and analysis articles and videos, and our patrons can also get all our podcasts ad-free, plus early access to the preview pods, such as the one you're listening to right now. Um, we have a few things in the works coming soon, like I said. So firstly, Martin has been working on a video, I believe, for our patrons, or is that already out? That's already out. I think that's outdated from the previous pods. Um, but yeah, that I did recently do a video, and so did um and Wilson as well, just about our pressing structures and we've also an article which we've done, but the most recent stuff which has gone out is the Under-21s pod, the second episode was out a few a few days ago, which me and Dan did, and yeah, we also did the Q&A pod during the um, last week, I think it was towards the end of last week we did that, so yeah. Yeah, no, me, you and Jacob, and that was did. fantastic. It was. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if those videos were the ones that I had actually watched. I have watched them and people should go and subscribe. And I'm not just saying this. You should go and subscribe to watch them um, with Tom Wilson and Martin's analysis. And Martin did a video on Glenn Kamara and it was really good um, and how sexy that man is because he is. Um, <laughs> anyway, yes. So it really does help us out when you support us and it means we can do more content like those. So if you are interested and want to access his content, you can sign up at Go On Martin. You've come by surprise. I was just reading something else, but it is patreon.com forward slash ASAW Peterson. Yep, just checking you on your toes as always. <laughs> um, we'll be back early next week with a review of this Rotherham game, as well as previewing another quick turnaround for our game against Swansea next week. Um, and all that's left for me to say is thank you to Martin. Thank you to Adam. And thanks everyone that listened in. Let's hope we can pick up where we left off before the international break and continue the good run of form. Goodbye and have a great week.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.